Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. The three most important letters on college campuses have traditionally been GPA. But is it now DEI? The debate that has put a spotlight on Harvard and among some of the most prominent billionaires as the ousted school president takes to the New York Times. Plus, Democrats going after Donald Trump, accusing him of taking more than $7 million from foreign governments. But how about $700 million? That is what New York now wants Texas charter bus companies to hand over, all because of immigration. And what about those politicians named in the Jeffrey Epstein documents? What might it all mean? We have new documents just released within the past hour here. Thank you for being with us here on The Hill. Once again, here we go. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman. Ashley Davis, the former George W. Bush White House official. Dan Cannonan is a former Obama campaign official. And Shermichael Singleton, former deputy chief of staff at the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Mick Mulvaney, by the way, a former Trump White House acting chief of staff, News Nation political and economic contributor, hanging out with us for the hour as well. Good to be back. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. All right, come on in. So it is something that you can find just about anywhere in this country, right? Anywhere you look at any given moment. For example, live look at the White House right now. Uh, that's not the White House. There we go. White House on the left. Capitol on the right. Uh, you can kind of definitely see it there at the White House. It's the American flag. But we begin not in Washington today, rather in the state of Tennessee. Check out this headline from our next star station in the Nashville area. Tennessee GOP lawmaker files bill aimed at banning political flags in schools, says pride flags indoctrinate students. Hello to you all. Nice to be back in. Nice to be with you. I am not coming at you right off the bat with the fastball down the middle. I got coming at all different sides here. Uh, we will get to the college slider. campuses. Yeah, slider. We'll get slider. to the college we campuses. Yes, we did. In a second. Um, but how about this headline and this story? This idea from a lawmaker in Tennessee, Shermichael saying, you know what? The American flag, we're good with it. The, the state flag in Tennessee, yeah. we're good with it. But the pride flag, Black Lives Matter flag, oh. a political flag, no, no. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I think the American flag uh, ensues a sensibility of American nationalism, uh, not in this current iteration that we're talking about from Trump. I think that's a positive thing. Uh, but I do think flags that have nothing to do with our national identity as citizens of this country should be a moot point. If I were a parent, I do not want my kids being 
I don't want to say miseducated, but misguided by what some may argue as propaganda from certain activist groups, whether it's BLM or people who belong to the LGBTQ plus AI, et cetera, community. Oh, that just and bug, how do we bugs stop you. it? No, that bugs you as a conservative. Me. It must bug you. What do conservatives believe that the presentation of a flag is indoctrinating their students? Gay people aren't going away. Black and brown people aren't going away. And if you don't fly I'm the black, flag, Scott. doesn't mean that. you're not going away. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Flying a flag at a school isn't protecting your kids from indoctrination or from understanding and appreciating the differences in people. And so what difference does it make? What are Republicans so afraid of when it comes to people like me and gays and others? You're not going to protect anybody by by having students or your kids not be exposed to it. They're going to be exposed anyway. Who determines what flag is political? And where does it stop? I mean, that's my question. Where does it stop? You could fly a hundred different flags that signify any number of interests in this melting pot of America, right? That's not indoctrination. That's exposure. All right, so, fa- so we have a, a school that has 20 flags. Yeah, yeah. if they choose to. So if here, they choose to. Dan, I'm going to get to you in yeah. a second. But th- this lawmaker, uh, his name is Gino Bolso. He is from the Brentwood community uh, there in Tennessee. And, and this was how he put it. Bill, obviously, is somewhat agnostic with regard to any political views. It simply uh, seeks to remove from the classroom these types of political influences that some use to try to indoctrinate children. All right, so that's his, his take. Here was the ACLU and how they responded. Quote, the U.S. Constitution also guarantees robust free expression rights upon which the flag bans uh, unlawfully infringed. The Supreme Court has repeatedly held that the First Amendment protections extend to, quote, teachers and students. Dan. Well, look, the school boards are duly elected by the, by the folks in that area to represent them and represent the students and the kids in the schools. Uh, I think probably it's prudent to take more politics and, and, and take it out of school decisions. I think most school boards are, are over-politicized. There are parents who are wrangling about the books they teach, they're wrangling about the curriculum. None of that's healthy for educating kids. So probably at a school board by school board level, it's good to look at this stuff. But a state law to do that when they're elected school board that represents the community, I'd much rather deal with it at that level. But Blake, let's be honest. Do we really think this bill is going to I mean, let's just, like, take it out. I mean, like, is this bill really going to pass? You don't think it would in Tennessee? I bet it will. You do? I don't know. You think it passes? I mean, I, I think it's possible. Tennessee is a, you know, is a conservative state. But look, I, I'm not against politics being in school. I think it's important to have moral and civic education. We don't have enough of it. I think we, we're breeding too many technocrats in this country and not enough people with the capabilities of moral and logical reasoning, which is why we're currently in the political mess that we're in. Uh, but with that said, we only have one flag that we have collectively said we stand behind. It's red, white and blue. It's not pink, purple, yellow, whatever. It's not BLM. It's not 20 different other flags that Scott seems to be advocating for here. It's one. <laughs> and I think most Americans are okay with that. They're not okay with 20 different identities. What if a Jewish student or whatever you teach us to put an amazing flag? But, but by yeah. the way, though, our schools are not even allowing I, us to listen, say the Pledge of Allegiance. Would you say, say that again? What if a Jewish teacher wants to put an Israeli flag on their desk right now? This is America. It's First uh, Amendment so protect you. Yeah, protected. Okay, well, but you're kind of talking about. So, I mean, I do have to agree with you on that. But if they say, if they put a Palestinian flag, would you be okay with that too? Of course. I, well, if one is, this is no. The point. I mean, that's I'm, the point. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not. All right. So, so this is. It is the point. So this is the point. So this is, of course, K to twelve. Mm-hmm. Ready to talk Harvard? <laughs> Let's go. Because the uh, <laughs> now go. ousted President Claudine Gay. Uh, New York Times op-ed entitled, let's show it, 
Uh, Claudine Gay, what just happened at Harvard is bigger than me. Here's what she writes now in a new op-ed. She says, quote, it is not lost on me that I make an ideal canvas for projecting every anxiety about the generational and demographic changes unfolding on American campuses. A black woman selected to lead a storied institution, someone who views diversity as a source of institutional strength and dynamism. Claudine Gay is saying in her new op-ed that this was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel. You heard what she said. Now, let's set that aside for a second. Bill Ackman, Okay, we've talked about him on this show. He is a famed hedge fund investor, billionaire, uh, Harvard alum, Democratic donor. He has now come out and said, you know what? I I thought this was about anti-Semitism at the beginning. It turns out this is about DEI, diversity, equality, and inclusion. A long post on X. I recommend you read it. And here's what he says. Quote, stay with me here. The more I learned, the more concerned I became, and the more ignorant I realized that I had been about DEI, a powerful movement that has not only pervaded Harvard, but the educational system at large. I came to understand that diversity, equity, and inclusion was not what I had naively thought those words meant. Ackman goes on to write, what I learned, however, was that DEI was not about diversity in its purest form, but rather DEI was a political advocacy movement on behalf of certain groups that are deemed oppressed under DEI's own methodology. He, like Elon Musk, says DEI is racist. Okay, now, he's driving the narrative on racism. Gay is responding to that, Ackman and and Musk and what have you, because I don't know who Ackman's been talking about, but DEI has never been about hiring somebody in a protected class simply because they're in a protected class. That competence capabilities and being qualified has never left the table of the agenda when it comes to DEI. If you think it's just about hiring black people, then what do you do about the 400 years of racial oppression black and brown people have suffered in this country? DEI is about leveling the playing field with competence in mind and giving my community of people an opportunity that they've been denied for 200 or 400 years. There is nothing wrong with that. Is that what it's about? I mean, look, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with you, Scott. I think it's important, but I think DI is like DI run amok. I mean, five, six years ago, no one really had an issue with affirmative action. People were, were okay with it. No one really had an issue with the idea of having workspaces with people who looked differently or believed differently. Multiple or, ideas. People were okay with that. But I think you've gotten to the point where you're pushing this stuff too far down people's throat. You're telling people if they're white, then you're just automatically a bad person. You already you automatically have some prejudice. If you're a man, then you must somehow have some prejudice against women. I mean, this stuff is absurd. You're painting a broad brush there. What I'm saying is Ackman and Elon Musk have driven this into this race piece that says black and brown people or that gay was in this position simply because of the color of her skin. I want to get to Dan and, Dan and Ashley. Um, Elon Musk, real quick, quote, DEI, he says, because it discriminates on the basis of race, gender, and many other factors, is not merely immoral, it is also illegal. That is Elon. Here's Mark Cuban. Quote, the goal of every company should be to hire people that put the company in the best position to be successful. Best, he says, is relative to goals. I happen to strongly believe that if your workforce is diverse, you get a greater range of thought ideas and a stronger connection to your customer. So I just want to go back to I'm not a black woman, but I'm a woman. And I actually don't. You're in a protected class, too. 
I am, but I actually don't play that card, to be honest with okay. you, and that's fine. But I actually don't agree with President Gay saying this was about her being um, a minority woman. I actually think that she had plagiarism issues that obviously became viral. Right or wrong, they became viral. And also her testimony. So that's why she got fired. And all the people that were part of Harvard um, donor class, like, were starting to go away. So, I mean, like, that's why she's gone, not because she's a black woman. Those are race-neutral issues. The racism part... For someone who has melanin in their skin, the racism part is being driven by Ackman when he says that she was incompetent and she was only put there because she was a black woman. But you for that, that, you think the Ackman statement's racist? I think it drives a discussion on racism, and I think it, it, it accuses the institution of hiring gay, a very capable and qualified woman that happens to be black because of race. Here's the issue. Ackman is already like saying the quiet part out loud. He's doing his own research. He just, he's just discovering DEI for the we first time. We need to broaden time. his research. He, exactly. He's going down this Twitter sphere version of DEI, which Musk goes down as well, mm-hmm. which is not reality. In the real world, companies like the one I run or organizations look at qualified applicants they look for folks that have diverse backgrounds, diverse skill sets, certainly exactly. diverse, diverse heritage, and you come up with the best qualified folks to create a great organization. That's what DEI really is. It's, it's not the stuff he claims. And it's never been anything less than that. Exactly. That's what, what it is. I want to bring in uh, the Utah Republican Congressman Burgess Owens. He sits on the Education and Workforce Committee that is investigating anti-Semitism on college campuses. Of course, uh, this all started with Claudine Gay about a month or so ago before that committee. Uh, Congressman, thank you for being here on the Hill. I, I, you know, I'll just I'll open it up to you and, and let you respond to what you've heard. Well, let's just start off with saying this. Um, thank goodness affirmative action was considered unconstitutional, because it is. Um, the idea that black people, because what happened 400 years ago, cannot compete intellectually with white people is racist, period. It's, it's a put down. And, and, and look, look at the panel you have right now. That panel is there because they have proven themselves by their articulation, their intelligence, their hard work to be on that panel. Not, hopefully not because of their skin color. So what we have with, with Gay is very simply as a person who is a fraud, actually. She cheated to get where she is. And, 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 so, and, and, and the, fact, the fact is that she's not even capable of saying, I'm sorry that I cheated. That is because of, of white people that I'm now being fired. And by the way, she's not being fired. She's still making over $800,000. Uh, here's, 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 here's what she said, Congressman, because I'll, I'll quote her directly. She said, at least in one part of the, of the New York Times op-ed, she said, they recycled tired racist stereotypes about black talent and temperament. They pushed a false narrative of indifference and incompetence. <laughs> uh, the, tired, uh, the tired narrative is that blacks can't compete intellectually. We don't have uh, affirmative action. We don't have this conversation in terms of sports. I'm sick and tired of it, to be honest with you. Uh, we can do everything that anyone else can do if given an opportunity. Let us, let us learn how to think, how to articulate ourselves, that this place is a fair country in terms of meritocracy, if you allow it to happen. And meanwhile, for us to be looking at each other from outside in instead of inside out is where the Marxist mentality has been in very much in, 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 in put into our school systems that we now have to suppress and the oppressors, and that's what we have to get away from. It's racist, Con- it's Marxist, it's not American. Congressman, um, you sit on this committee. I, I, I doubt your work is done in this lane. What is, what, what do you, what is the committee going to do next, and is DEI uh, now a part of the focus? DEI is a big part, and I'm thank, thankful, to be honest with you. 
bit that's unsheltered for what it is. It's, uh, it's divisive. The fact that the University of uh, Harvard has black dormitories, uh, gay dormitories, and Hispanic dormitories, that's not the American way. We agree that we should be looking at each other from our talents, from our character. So we're going to be looking at this very, very deeply. We're going to start holding colleges accountable for the outcome. If we have kids coming out of our colleges not afraid, not not being proud of who they are, not being able to think, not have conversations, and be able to 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 agree to disagree, we have to make sure those outcomes are not paid for if they're negative, and and make sure we're we're putting to those uh, those those are dollars you, to where people are being are being uh, uh, being successful and they're successful and they're and they're. I, I, and they're, I, they're, they're I got I, I got to run, but I want to ask you: the MIT president is still there. Uh, two of the presidents that that were at that hearing are, are gone, and the MIT president is there. Um, how, yeah, did, how does she keep her job in your this, eyes? Well, Blake, this is something that's across the board. This is, we have not finished with these three. This is, uh, this is systemic throughout our system with colleges. That's why we have these kids coming out and, uh, hating each other. Black Lives Matter, uh, Hamas, because we're teaching the wrong things in these college campuses. So we're going to make sure overall we're looking at how can, how can we have diversity of thought and a fair good outcome coming out of our kids, and we'll, we'll look at what that looks like as we start to, to continue to fund or not fund these colleges. All right. Uh, Congressman Burgess Owens, uh, appreciate the time. Um, thank you, sir. Thank you. you. Yep. No, I was just going to say, I think that's important because I think it's beyond these three elite colleges. I think it's actually the next level of state schools that they're going to have to uh, look into. And I think they are. I mean, d- diversity was supposed to be a part of the great American dream and hope. And, it, and it's starting to become obvious that a lot of different groups are starting to converge and they're hitting head to head. And this is going to be a problem we're going to have to deal with. I got to run, I, but I'll give you the I last word. I wouldn't p- paint all of these groups with broad brushes. And I'll be honest with you, the incendiary uh, rhetoric from that congressman right there was just downright offensive because he compared Black Lives Matter, a protest yeah, organization, I, with Hamas. I, I, I wasn't sure I if I... whether you had time to... I, I wasn't sure if I heard that correctly or not. No, I no, heard was that the correctly. case? I, I, I was... Yeah, I, mean, he, I, I don't think it was an exact comparison, but um, we, he, he did mention them in the same breath. Just same sentence. Same sentence, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, all right, coming up here on the Hill. I told you we were just getting started. Uh, the Democrats <laughs> strike back. They release evidence saying that Donald Trump received millions from foreign governments while he was in office. So do they actually have something here or is it nothing? As the GOP investigates the Biden family for a similar reason. And it's a rival to some of the biggest companies here in the United States. It's called Xi'an based in China, and now lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are trying to stop the company from going public. Coming up, we'll speak with a member of the China Select Committee about the $60 billion behemoth. That's when The Hill on News Nation returns. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Today... Our administration filed a lawsuit against 17 companies that have taken part in Texas Governor Greg Abbott's scheme to transport tens of thousands of migrants to New York City. 
That, of course, is the New York City Mayor Eric Adams earlier today announcing a $708 million lawsuit against 17 charter bus companies who helped transport more than 33,000 migrants from Texas to New York over the last two years. It comes on the same day House Democrats dropped a report detailing at least $7.8 million against Donald Trump's businesses uh, that were received from 20 foreign governments while he was president. So you got $7.8 million with Trump, an allegation from Democrats, and then $708 million from the New York City mayor trying to sue uh, for the state of Texas. A lot flying ar- around. Mick Mulvaney. <laughs> Hello. Come on in, sir. Uh, let, let's... <laughs> The numbers are so parallel, you can't even make it up, 7.8 and 708 million. Oh, come on, when you're the budget director, that's just a rounding error. Which one do you want to start with? You want to do New York or you want to do Trump? Let's go New York, buddy. Uh, Yeah, the New York thing, and I think Scott has some insight on this, there's no way this is going to hold up. It was legal activity when it happened. It's designed to discourage it from continuing. There's no way that the state of New York is going to be able to recover anything from these companies that were doing something that was legal. And it's a question as to whether or not New York even has the right to prevent interstate commerce from taking place. This is political. I get it. I understand it. If I were the mayor of New York, I'd probably be doing the same thing. But it's not a, it's not a credible legal challenge. Uh, on the Trump thing, it's quite interesting because, again, the Supreme Hold Court on, we'll, had a we'll chance to, to we'll, weigh in on so, that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we'll, 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 separate, we'll separate Trump, and I'll, and I'll get to you in a second. But you, so, you agree with Mick so, there? Mick, I think I agree with him politically. There is a New York state statute or city statute on the consumer protection that specifically says transportation companies can't knowingly and with in bad faith and intentionally bring people to New York if they don't have a means. Now, there's a big gap between that law and proving that. And I think you're right. It's got it's it's going to be a long haul. But this is to put a chilling effect, as you say, on the bus companies to not participate in bringing these migrants. I'm surprised they didn't uh, sue Texas and the governor. But but that would have even been a weaker lawsuit. So um, Greg Abbott uh, just handed this responded. He said uh, this lawsuit is baseless and deserves to be sanctioned. It's clear that Mayor Adams knows nothing about the Commerce Clause of the U.S. Constitution or about the constitutional right to travel that has been recognized by the U.S. Supreme Court. You you know, Blake, they're also a sanctuary city. You put that in the mix. There are a lot of defenses to why um, Texas can transfer these folks up there. But but he's suing he's he's suing the bus companies, not the state of Texas. By the way, you know he's copycatting over, I can't believe I just said copycatting, but he copied (laughs) that over Chicago. This is what Chicago was doing this week as well. So I mean, like, of course he's going to do this. It's a good political thing. But here's where it's, it is the politics. There there is this stunt happening here, which probably is not going to hold water, although Scott, your your analysis is helpful to understand what could happen here. You got a stunt with Abbott in the first place. He's not cooperating with the federal government. We've got 61 lawmakers going down for a, a you know, a show horse press conference. Meanwhile, but there's 14 million dollars on the table that the Republicans could take up and act on border security, but they won't do it because they'd rather have the stunts and the spectacle. And here we are with real people being hurt as a result. But, but, but let me just touch on what this is costing the city of New York. Mayor Adams said this is costing them eight million dollars per day to house over 30,000 migrants. 
They're expected to have a budget deficit of close to $10 billion. By July, they're expected to spend $4.3 billion. This is unsustainable. The mayor went on to say they have tried continuously to get approval and assistance and help from the federal government, from FEMA, and the White House is pretty much ignoring them. You look at cities like Chicago, Illinois. This is a serious problem now where you have Democratic mayors turning against a democratically elected president right. who's the leader of their party saying, you're not doing enough to assist these cities with these immigrants. All right, so back now uh, and mix. <laughs> Come on in uh, to that 156-page report uh, today, by the way. That's what it was. Democrats, House Oversight Committee, detailing, Mick, what they say was $7.8 million, now to the smaller sum, uh, the $7.8 million that they say Donald Trump's businesses received when he was president. Uh, the, the breakdown was money from China uh, spent at, at Trump properties. You can see it there. Basically at, at about $5.5 million. Saudi Arabia, north of half a million bucks, uh, Qatar, right around half a million dollars as well. All right, um, tell me, problematic in your eyes or no? No, I mean, I'd be curious to know Scott's legal opinion on it. Keep in mind, the Supreme Court had a chance to deal with this back in 2020, 2021, and they dismissed the case because Trump had left office, and they said the case was moot because he was no longer the president. So they passed on the merits of the case. You go look at the Emoluments Clause, and what it essentially says is that the president's not supposed to receive any titles from any foreign dignity, uh, from foreign nations, any honors from any foreign nations, etc. And it uses the word emoluments, which is typically something that's related to employment. It's, it's the Democrats looking to make Donald Trump look bad. And I get that. That's that's what politics is these days. Do I think it's going to move the needle one way or the other politically? No. There's a bunch of different ways to attack Donald Trump. You have to worry about whether or not he took a, his, his businesses. Not him, by the way. If he'd taken the money, that's a different story. This is These are his hotels is what this comes yeah, down to. Yeah. And as you, as you yeah. know, Mick, um, anybody who was in Washington knew from 2017 to 2020, if you showed up at the Trump Hotel yep. after, yep, Dan, Dan Cannon and Democrats, as you showed up at the Trump Hotel uh, past five o'clock in, you know, in the afternoon, there were going to be Trump administration officials there. And so that's why I'm, I'm guessing these folks were staying at the hotel. Right, Mick? And, but then there's and, the question, is, 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 is a problem And there are Democrats who yes. know they can go to Cafe Milano tonight and, and, meet, and meet members of the, of the, of the, <laughs> right, of the Biden the administration. Shame that's on you for putting away Washington Milano in there. Shame, Shame on right. you. But, but this isn't Menendez taking foreign money like he did. Right. That's do you right. have a problem with this, Dan? I have a huge problem with this. If, if you were, you, yeah, you do. Yes, if you were a cabinet official coming in or coming into the White House as a staffer, you typically put your stuff into a trust. You like have a whole bunch of financial disclosures. One, Trump wouldn't give us his tax returns. So we don't really know what's happening there. Two, they intentionally drove as much business through his properties with federal contracts as they could, including him being there. And let's not forget, I'm, you know, the five hundred thousand bucks from the Saudi Arabia government. So, that's concerning. How about the two would, billion dollars yeah. to Jared Kushner would, six months after? What would you say? To, what would you say to Eric Trump? Quote: What a joke all foreign government profits for stays at our hotels and other properties while my father was in office were voluntarily donated to the united states treasury but the value that he received as an owner let's remember donald trump drives this narrative if he had put his interest in these hotels and real estate uh projects if he had put them in a blind trust or or withdrew his interest or put it in some other separate independent entity, this would be a non-story. But you know what? This is so complicated for the average American voter. Not complicated. Voter. Wait a minute. Put the average American voter in a trust like every other prior president. About this, the average American yeah. voter Man, cares about care, Joe Biden's inability to secure the border. Yeah. They care about inflation yeah. because Bidenomics. Yeah. It's not working. Care about legality so, so to too. Point, and another no illegal act this. on this isn't part. That says a lot about your party. That says a lot about your party. We don't care about illegal conduct. Mick, does it move the needle? I'll give you the last word. 
No, it doesn't. Nobody, listen, everybody's made up their mind about Donald Trump already. Right. If, if you wanted to not like the guy, there's a lot more reasons not to like him than just this. I mean, this is, this is really stretching it. I, I get it. If I was in the minority in the House and I had nothing to do, this is probably how I'd spend my time. But it's not going to move the needle. Um, and, and to Scott's point, to Scott's point, look, members of Congress break the law all the time. It's the law they're supposed to do a budget every single year by March 15th. They haven't done that in a decade. So illegality is one thing. Criminality is another. This is not a criminal like this. But Mick, are you bragging or complaining? Are you bragging or complaining? Wrong is wrong. I'm saying it's different. It doesn't make a difference. You as a Republican, me as a Democrat, ought to care about that. Yeah, we do care about it. I care about the president. He's no longer president. Do, Mick, last word, do and then I really care about run. the fact that. No, that's fine. Go ahead. So. <laughs> no, 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 last word. Go, 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 go. <laughs> Scott, do you care about do you care about the fact that Congress hasn't passed a budget? Do you want to charge people criminally for that? I, listen, we dealt with this all of the time. Oh, you guys are doing stuff that's against the law. There's there's fifteen hundred reports that Congress is required to put out by law every single year that they don't put out. That's illegal. Is it something that we, okay. we should care about? Yes. Is it something we sue people over? No. All right. Uh, coming up here, still on the Hill, uh, this story I find fascinating. Costco workers, they voted to unionize. And after they did so, wait until you hear what the CEO said about that. And do you know the company Sheehan? Have you heard of it? It is a monster. And it's getting bigger, and it's got the attention of Washington. Lawmaker joins us on the other side of the break. Stay with us. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So as we, we get back from the holidays, this was a story that, that caught my attention. Costco employees uh, in Virginia, they, they voted to unionize, small group of them. This, though, was the response from its leadership, its CEO, saying, quote, To be honest, we're disappointed by the result of Norfolk. We're not disappointed in our employees. We're disappointed in ourselves as managers and leaders. The fact that a majority of Norfolk employees felt that they wanted or needed a union constitute a failure on our part. Dan, Mick, come back in. What about this message? You voted to unionize, so as leaders, we failed. I think they're trying to strike the right tone. I mean, you know, today, two-thirds of Americans believe a union is a good thing and helpful for the country as compared to 2009 when less than half did. That's the last time, by the way, there was a minimum wage hike in this country federally. But I, I think the, the miss of the mark here is that it's not a bad thing. Even if you're a good company trying to do well, it's not a bad thing to have a union necessarily. It's not an indictment on the company to have that happen. It's a good thing for them, for the workers, for the company, for consumers. Mick, do they miss the mark? You don't know. It's too soon, too soon to tell. It depends what comes next. Um, if, if, they, if they change why, if, if management was doing something that encouraged these people to unionize, that management can change, and they do change, that's a good thing. If they can't change it, then they're going to have a problem. If these folks organize because they want more money and Costco can't give them more money, then they can write all the nice letters they want to, but it's not going to change an outcome. So look, I thought it was a nice letter. You got to give them credit where credit is due, but I don't think this solves the problem. Keep in mind, Costco is more unionized than Starbucks. 
and Starbucks has huh. been fighting with their unionized mm-hmm. members and so forth. So I think it's way too early to tell if this is um, if this is going to solve the problem uh, of unionization. If, the, if and the problem is not the right word to use, but I think it's the right. first of uh, several chess moves. Okay. All right. And then there is Shein. If you haven't heard of it, the Chinese online retailer is looking to go public here in the United States later this year. Shein is a monster in the global retail space and growing. For example, did you know that one million Shein packages are believed to be shipped to this country every day? If Shein ends up going public, its valuation is expected to be north of $60 billion. By the way, that is roughly, give or take, the same market cap as Target. Now, Republican Senator Rick Scott, the Democratic Senator Bob Casey, want the IPO potentially halted. In a letter to the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, and the SEC, the senators said uh, this week that they have concerns about Sheehan engaging in illegal business practices. Joining us now, the Republican congressman from Tennessee, Josh Rose, who met with Sheehan's vice chair in early November before the news of the IPO filing. Congressman, thanks for being here uh, on the Hill on News Nation. I know this has been front and center for you. What do you make of this? Uh, these senators saying, you know what, we, we need to look at this thing before it IPOs. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on today. And I share their concerns. Uh, Representative Jennifer Wexton and I led a bipartisan letter with 22 of our colleagues last May uh, expressing many of these same concerns to SEC Chairman Gensler and you know, requesting that he be sure before an IPO would be allowed to, to move forward that Sheehan is complying with U.S. law, and particularly with respect to the use of forced labor uh, in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region, which has been an, an area of concern from, for many years and for many of us for quite some time. And I, and I think that's really the threshold question is we need to make sure that uh, the products that are coming into our country are not uh, being produced by forced labor. But we have broader concerns, obviously, and the senators do a good job of expressing those concerns to the, uh, the various uh, securities exchanges. Congressman, I, I called you Josh. I know it's John. I'm shaking off some holiday rust. Excuse me there. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, you, you know, this, this is a, a huge and growing company, as I mentioned. Um, but I'm not sure a lot of folks have, have heard about it. And for the folks that are, are hearing about this for the first time, why would you tell them, you know what, we, we really should keep our eye on Shein? Well, I think the sheer volume of product coming into our country at this point, and, and, and for you and me, we haven't heard of it, but I assure you younger uh, members of the population who mm-hmm. uh, are using Shein to source uh, inexpensive clothing, they're very aware of it. And so it's probably an indication of well, where we shop that we don't know about it. But uh, they have really taken the fashion industry by storm. And it's impacting domestic producers, domestic suppliers. And there are issues beyond the, the question about forced labor, uh, both forced labor perhaps being used in the production of the textiles that are going into the products, but also right. in the production of the products themselves. Do, do you think the IPO gets halted? Well, I don't know. I think our laws currently, uh, under normal circumstances, probably would allow this IPO. But I, th- I do think there are serious concerns, again, both about the use of forced labor and whether, um, whether Xi'an is doing everything that it can. I will, I will say, um, when I met, met with the Vice Chairman Marcella Thor uh, back in November, I was, I was encouraged by the assurances that he gave me. But we have to make sure okay. that 
their actions are actually matching their words and that they are making uh, sure that they're not letting uh, illegally produced or, uh, you know, non-compliantly produced product make it into their supply chain. And the problem is that they're availing themselves of the de minimis exception under our customs and border laws that allow small uh, value products to come in and be shipped directly to consumers. And that makes it particularly hard for our customs agents to make sure that they're complying. All right. Uh, Congressman John Rose uh, from the state of Tennessee. Uh, This is a bipartisan issue, and it is one we are following. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. It is indeed. Thank Uh, you for having me. So so during the the commercial break, Ashley said, just sort of out of nowhere, (laughs) um, I wrote my thesis on Sheehan. I did. In business school. 75 pages. I had no idea. 40, by the way. There you go. Ashley's birthday My birthday is Monday. No, Uh, Monday. So you wrote your thesis on this company. Tell me about it. I and did, this but it, this is fast fashion, and it's it's kind of it's the business that has really small margins, but they overturn fashion. It's fast very fashion. So they have new fashion every week. So it's very, very, very cheap labor, which is kind of the labor problem. And then they bring in new um, products every week, and so it like you're only supposed to you pay thirty dollars for a top, but then you can only have it it, it like falls apart within like six months. Give, I mean, give, me the kinda... fu- give me the future as someone who knows sort of this company in and out. Okay, so the, the one thing that I want to say if I was Sheehan is not that it's not going to survive, but that you should wait until a non-election year to do this IPO. <laughs> <laughs> because you think it becomes political. With my pure business hat on, if, if the Biden administration or an IPO lets right. us go through, that's going to be a political issue. Okay, all right, coming up here. Still to come on the Hill on News Nation, some high-profile names, as you might know, released in the Epstein documents. Is there any fallout? What might be next? We'll get into it. Elizabeth Vargas joining us on the other side of the break as well. Stay with us. You're watching the Hill here on News Nation. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming. And his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So there is a new batch of documents involving Jeffrey Epstein. They've been coming out two days in a row. Uh, notable names like former President Trump and Clinton are mentioned. Neither are accused of wrongdoing. News Nation correspondent Laura Engel, our team of producers, have been sifting through the latest pages here. Uh, Laura, what can you tell us about these two batches, the, the, the most recent dropping within like the last hour or so? Yeah, that came as a surprise because we're all kind of catching our breath after what happened yesterday with the 934 pages that came out. But in fact, more documents did come out today, though not as substantial as yesterday, uh, containing the identities of nearly 80 people uh, likely to have discoverable information relevant to disputed facts in this case. That is the, the header on this document. There was also notification from the court that there had been a letter filed to unseal one of the dockets in the case from the Miami 
Miami Herald, which is trying to get the list of does, the John and Jane does, <coughs> to see how they might line up with all of the names that have been released so far. And of course, we have to remember these names have been in these documents and have been on the radar of investigators for many, many years, like former President Bill Clinton. So while some are looking at these names, some are new to you, but they're not new to investigators. Uh, Mr. Clinton was spotted in a small town in Mexico yesterday. A lot of people found that interesting when these documents dropped, but they, he, we know that he travels a lot. Uh, and we just heard from a Clinton spokesperson who told us and directed us to their statement from 2019, which says that it has now been nearly... Just, just lost Laura Ingle there. Um, you know, again, as it relates to Clinton, uh, no wrongdoing. Um, the, these batches of information uh, keep coming out. As she said, a lot of this stuff has been known to investigators for quite some time. Laura Eagle, thank, Ingle, thank you. Um, I'll show you a headline that I, I found notable or interesting. <laughs> New York Post, the brother of Jeffrey Epstein, uh, said this, that... Uh, that Jeffrey Epstein told his brother, quote, if, if he knew what he knew about both candidates, the 2016 election would have to be canceled. Mm. I don't know. Wow. Uh, more in your well, window, more, more hearsay. <laughs> and that's the danger in the disclosure of this document. It may have salacious details about Epstein and Maxwell. You think it's dangerous to release these documents? I, I don't think it's dangerous to release. It's dangerous to get caught up in the window. Okay. But you get caught up in the innuendo by releasing the names. I mean, look, if there's nothing gained in terms of public safety or something that's going to move the needle forward from a policy uh, perspective in terms of protecting young women, I personally don't see the point in releasing the names at all. Does, does any of this have any political implications for going? I mean, you know, some of these we've, we've seen the names you've heard. heard. I think Dan and I said this yesterday. Yeah. I mean, unless you're a sitting member of Congress, state, you know, governor, whatever, like a public facing, right? Yeah, a public official, maybe, or a CEO, if it's or new, they, and if, if it's, it's new. new, or if you're CEO of a publicly traded company, right? Okay, uh, Elizabeth Vargas, hello, come on hello. in, nice to talk to you. Hope you had a a lovely bl- uh, break with you and your family. Uh, happy New Year! Happy New Year! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice to talk to you for the first time in 24. Um, yeah, that's right. You were off, a- off the show yesterday. Yeah, had a had had a little bit of time off, more than I would have liked. Welcome back. But uh, it's it's good to be back. Um, it, this is a big focus of your show tonight. Um, I, I wonder what you make of of what we learned here, or or didn't learn really the last couple of days. Yeah, as as you and your panel have smartly noted, and Laura also smartly reported, there aren't a lot of new names here. Um, right. I think what I'm just most struck by though is the sheer volume and the lists of all those names. <laughs> Of these people who were in Jeffrey Epstein's circle, um, even amid uh, allegations that have been going on for years that he was engaged in unsavory and ultimately illegal predatory behavior with these young girls, whether you're talking about Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, um, George Mitchell, uh, Bill Richardson, Michael Jackson, Stephen Hawking, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Tom Pritzker, it just goes on and on and on. And of course, what's very interesting is there are three names that are blacked out uh, in these, uh, uh, you know, this testimony that has been given under oath of uh, three people, one of whom is presumed to be and said to be a prince, another one who is presumed to be uh, the uh, head of a hotel chain and another one we know nothing about. 
And mm-hmm. one of the victims says that she was ordered to have sex with all three of these men. Why are those names still blacked out? Uh, no explanation we can deduce so far. We'll be talking to some people in just a few minutes who've got uh, real firsthand knowledge of all this. Because it's a real right. mystery. But my goodness, yeah. it's uh, my- oh, something. My goodness is one way to put it. I mean, a lot of people have been waiting for this to, to happen, and it's here, and now it's, you know, it's, okay, what does it mean, and, and what have we learned? And, right. I mean, there's a, a lot of questions going forward. And it's important and to point out that involved, some yeah. of this, while, while what we're reading in those documents is testimony given under oath, it is, as one of your panelists very smartly pointed out, it, it's hearsay. It's what, yeah. you know, Epstein told me that Bill Clinton likes young girls. You know, that isn't first-hand knowledge. It is repeating right. basically second-hand knowledge, otherwise known as yep. gossip. So uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, Elizabeth, we'll, uh, we'll catch you here in about six and a half minutes or so. Elizabeth Vargas reports six o'clock Eastern right here on News Nation. And we will be back here on the Hill just on the other side of the break with, with a question like this. Where do you think Americans moved the most or at least what were the trends over the past year? U-Haul has the answer. That's before we go. I want to show you one graphic. Uh, U-Haul basically showed their top one-way destinations of where people moved in 2023 and where people left uh, in 2023. These were basically one-way trips. Around the the table we go, and Mulvaney, let's start with you first. When you see that, what do you see? (laughs) Uh, I see home. I was in Washington uh, this morning, flew home to get home. If I had to rent a U-Haul truck to get here, I would. People are coming south (laughs) because the places are better run and the weather is better. Real quick. Conservatism works, Blake. That's what, <laughs> that's, it, what it is, Dan. <laughs> well, I just think, look at the underlying data. The biggest climbers, Vermont and Washington, where okay. it's beautiful, and our blue states. Right. Taxes, 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 taxes. You think that's what it's all about? Totally. I don't yeah. know. They got family in the top five states that happen to be red states. Yeah, um, they don't have to wear masks I think, anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that too. I think, I think weather and weather. taxes okay. and probably family. Well, Vaney's just happy South Carolina is a part of it. Mick, right. thank you so much uh, for hanging with us, all of you in studio thank as you. well. We'll be back here tomorrow for The Hill on News Nation, 5 o'clock Eastern. Set your DVRs if need be. Elizabeth Vargas reports starts right now. From the News Nation studios live in New York, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Vargas, and we have a lot of developing stories tonight. So let's get started. Tonight, think you've heard it all about Jeffrey Epstein? No, you haven't. The secrets and lies exposed in the 900-plus pages released. New details of the millionaire predator's international sex trafficking operation. Not just the who, but the how. A felon goes flying at a judge 